there. You're listening to the Only Schoolers podcast. I'm Gina Prosh, and hanging out here with me as always is my co-host, Kristen Edwards. We are back, finally, after a nice long holiday break. We are bringing you our first episode of 2022, rested up and ready to journey into the new year with you. And since we are a homeschooling podcast, it is time for a quiz. Kristen and I have both picked our words for the year to act as our guiding principle, and we've already used both of them in today's show. Now, if you've been following us on social media, you may have a clue as to what those words are. Any guesses? And which one belongs to which person? <laughs> if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, it shouldn't be too hard to figure out which one is mine, since it is absolutely no secret that September and I love to travel. So for 2022, my word is journey. And since I have a kid who graduates four <clears throat> months from now, mine shouldn't be too hard to guess either. I am ready. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit more about how we chose our words in a couple of minutes. But before we get started with that, there's a few housekeeping details we'd like to take care of. First off, Kristen has designed the most amazing set of Guess Who Poetry Tea Time Planners, and they are available in our Etsy shop. And also, since it's a new year, if you just aren't satisfied with your homeschool calendar or planner, don't forget we have our Only Schoolers Homeschool Planner available in the Etsy shop, too. And as far as the podcast goes, we have changed podcast hosts. We've done some preliminary testing, and it looks like everything is working the way it should. But if you have any issues finding the show on your favorite podcast platform, please drop us a line and let us know so we can get that worked out. And if you haven't already done so, please also hit that subscribe button. If you enjoy the show, share the love with us by giving us a happy five-star review. And as always, visit our website, OnlySchoolers.com. Drop us an email, onlyschoolers at gmail.com, or search for the Only Schoolers handle on Facebook or Instagram, and you can message us there. So, now that the housekeeping details are taken care of, are you good to go with the show? Now, ready is your word, but I am ready to hear how you decided on that word for 2022. Well, as you know, I have to have a word that's both a noun and a verb, and ready does meet those criteria, plus it's also an adjective. So ready as a verb is preparing or being prepared for something. Ready as an adjective means, you know, complete, finished, within reach. And interestingly enough, as a noun, ready is a British slang term for money or available cash. So one day Rich and I were talking and he said something about being, you know, ready to do whatever it was he was talking about. I don't even remember that. What I do remember is the volume of his voice and tone didn't change, but it was like the word ready was just kind of shouted at me. And I knew immediately, that's my word. Um, I'm readying myself for Wyatt's graduation in four months. And as the senioritis begins to kick in with him and his friends, I see that they are all becoming ready, ready to move on to next things, new adventures in life. And for myself, I mean, I'm ready to retire from my hands-on homeschooling days. I am really ready to end my time of service on our local homeschool board of directors. Uh, basically, I'm ready to shake things up a bit. And as far as ready meaning money, hey, I am always ready for some opportunities for some ready. <laughs> and speaking of shaking things up and earning some money, I have a bit of an announcement for everyone out there in podcast land. Well, I know what's going on, but do tell everyone else what you have up your sleeve. Well, I talk about Rich and I being writers, and we've worked together on creative projects for years. Um, several years ago, we worked on a juvenile book series about a girl, Joe Harper, 
living on the Wyoming Plains in the early 20th century. And the intrepid Joe and her best friend Frog help Abigail Drake, the town's first lady constable, to fight crime, solve mysteries, and thwart evildoers. So the series is designed for kids in that 7 to maybe 10, 11 age range. And we've gotten the rights back to that after the original contract has ended, and we've opted to publish them independently. So you will find nine individual Joe Harper books and one omnibus with all nine collected stories available in digital and print versions at Amazon. And just for fun, and since you're a literary person, you'll like that. There's a little bit of a hat tip in there to one of my favorite authors and one of Missouri's favorite sons, Mark Twain. So you remember Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, Joe, J-O-E, Harper, is one of Tom and Huck's friends. So this is J-O, Joe, but she is always up for adventures too. So that's my, my, my big news for the year. So what about you and your word for 2022? How did you decide on Journey? Well, for the last few years, my annual guiding thoughts kind of just been like a, a poem or a phrase or a Bible verse. It's not always been a single word. Because I'm always jotting down a quote that catches my attention, and then I think, oh, I should live by that quote. Well, I was rereading some of them toward the end of December, and I was struck by how often this idea of journey popped up. I mean, I guess it was definitely something my subconscious was actively thinking about in 2021. So it started with a quote by Marcel Proust, which hit home because I am so weary of not being able to travel like we used to. I've really struggled with that for the last two years. And I'm especially struggling with this uncertainty of when normal travel will resume. We got a little bit of it back over the last few months. We've, we've made a couple of quick trips to New York City, but we're still chomping at the bit to go further afield. So somewhere, I don't remember where now, I stumbled across this quote, which says, The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeing new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And it just really spoke to me, especially at the end of December, because I started wondering what kind of new eyes, what would that unveil for this stranded traveler as I journey through life, because I'm here stuck at home. And then up popped a poem by Mary Oliver called The Journey, and it's, it's too long to read here. I'll link to it in the show notes, but my favorite lines are, but little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds. And there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own. And I got kind of all introspective about the journeys we take in life. And that would take a whole episode to discuss, so we'll not do that here. But long story short, kind of like you, that word journey was just shouting at me. Let me be the 2022 guiding thought. And bonus, noun and verb. Absolutely. Yeah, I knew you'd like that part. And as you mentioned when I was texting you about it, it's also a great 80s band, which means I will have a fantastic built-in soundtrack for the year too. So with all that being said, I think we are definitely ready to journey forth with our first episode of 2022. So last year, um, we had kind of this very directed A to Z approach to what we talked about. We picked a couple of different words for each episode. We are doing something completely different with the show this winter and spring. Over the last couple of years hosting the podcast, we have topics that Kristen's been keeping track of in that trusty spiral notebook. You know, things that we've wanted to discuss, but they haven't really fit or found their way into an episode. So what we've decided to do, we are just going to open up the Only Schoolers grab bag and sort of pull out a topic at random. <laughs> it's fun. It's party tricks. We definitely plan to touch on creating transcripts for high schoolers. 
There's an episode about great reads for kids of all ages, which I know sometimes it's hard to find good books that you want to read for your kids. And there's something that I've been kind of given a lot of thought to lately. It's the way we talk about homeschooling. But this is also where you, the listeners, come in, because if there's a topic that you'd like us to talk about, it's maybe something that you've struggled with, something that you'd like us to explore. It doesn't matter how quirky or random it may be. Come on, guys, you know us by now. Quirky and random are our thing. Just drop us a line, hit us up on Messenger, comment on some of our social media posts. Basically, let us know what you're interested in learning more about, and we'll just toss it into the grab bag. So this week, to get us started, we are pulling out a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and I think to Kristen's too. The first topic out of the grab bag is homeschooling, failing to succeed. So what is the first thing you think of, Kristen, when I say failing to succeed? I think one of the bedrock fears that all parents have, not just homeschool parents, but all parents, is that we are afraid our kids won't do well in life. We're afraid that they won't succeed. And homeschooling your kids, that ups the ante even more because we're the ones doing all the schooling. I mean, there's this little voice in the back of our minds on bad days that's like, they're not going to succeed and it's going to be your fault. (laughs) Yeah. It's not even a little voice sometimes. It's a big one. Yeah. I've been there. I've done that. I've had those sleepless nights. I've had the bags under my eyes to prove it. But we are 100% flipping that script today because today we are talking about failing in order to succeed. Or like Thomas Edison famously said, I have not failed. I have just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Exactly. I actually kind of love it when we are able to take some aspect of homeschooling and it really could seem like a negative aspect and we just turn it on its head like that. We did it so many times last season with our thinking about words. We talked about doubt, frustration, jealousy. I mean, those are not positive words, but they're very real experiences of the human condition. There's nothing inherently bad or wrong about feeling them. It's that the actions that result from feeling and thinking about those emotions, that's what works together to create the positive for it. And I hope that's what failing to succeed will do. And learning how to accentuate that positive and find those silver linings, I mean, so necessary during the homeschooling experience. (laughs) It is. And you saying that, it reminded me of something that September said once. I mean, talk about flipping the script. She was maybe 10 or 11, and there was some activity that we'd planned to do, and it got canceled. And I said, oh, well, at least that gives you more time to clean your room. And she just immediately responded, yep, every silver lining has a cloud. And she never cracked a smile, but I was just like busting up. (laughs) But seriously, I know, she's she's a kick. But all laughs aside, there are silver linings of success to the clouds of clunkers and catastrophes that hang above us sometimes. And that big picture may feel like a failure, but keep looking. There is success in there somewhere. You just need the failure to see it. So speaking of big pictures, I have been going through White's baby pictures in order to pick out some of the best ones to include in his senior slideshow, which plays during graduation. And I found this picture of him when he was three months old. And he's standing in Rich's lap for the picture. And sure, Rich is kind of supporting his back and whatnot. But I remember so clearly when he was a baby, he did not want to sit. He wanted to stand. He wanted to be upright with his head on a shoulder, or at the very least. When he was super sleepy, 
he wanted to be in a football carry so he could see what was going on around him. He did not want to be on his back looking at the ceiling. He crawled for a really short time. And I think in part it was because he was so frustrated that he couldn't get where he wanted to go fast enough. So, I mean, really, we weren't surprised when a few months later, he's walking around on all the furniture, holding on from one thing to the next, the edge of the couch, the kitchen cabinet doorknobs to the next one. And he finally hiked up his courage. And a couple of days after he turned eight months old, I mean, he let go. He took off walking. Now, just because he was walking doesn't mean he didn't like fall down or trip over his feet. You know, step, step, kerplop, step, 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 kerplonk. I mean, like all kids, he fell down time and time again. But that wasn't important. What was important was he was teaching himself to walk. And he was teaching you how many things an eight-month-old can reach. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, that story just kind of makes me think of something my dad said once. We were watching one of my nieces, and she was probably about that age, eight, nine months old. And she was just working to scramble up onto the couch. And my dad kind of made this comment, like, if we all had that kind of determination like a baby, there's nothing we couldn't do. Because the whole idea of obstacles or failure, it doesn't even enter their little heads. They just see something they want and go for it. Oh, and here's the thing. Everyone around those kids, I mean, everyone around Wyatt as he's learning how to walk is cheering for him when he falls down. It's like, oh, come on, Wyatt, get back up. Let's go. That's the way the world of new walking babies goes. There's literally nobody out there saying, gee, what kind of loser eight month old are you falling down like that? I mean, at the rate you're going, you'll never learn to walk. <laughs> Can you imagine poor things? But it's like I, I said before, there's nothing that will stop a toddler or a preschooler from their goal. You can put up baby gates, you can put up childproof locks, you can close doors, and it's all like they're challenge accepted. <laughs> but they're not successful every time. And fortunately, we adults do have a few tricks up our sleeves to keep them out of the worst harm. But when they don't succeed, I'm not sure it registers as a failure, you know, quote, for a child that age. It's more like, hmm, well, that didn't work. So on to plan B or C or F or K, like, okay, gotta wait till mom's doing laundry and then it's on. And that to me is kind of the whole point of being a toddler or a preschooler. You observe your world. You figure out how to do the things you want to do, and you don't care how many obstacles are in your way. That idea of failure, not even an option. It's just your life. Sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. But there is this idea that the problem is not insurmountable. So quick story, when I went to register September for kindergarten, she had to pass, I don't know, some sort of testing, you know, letters counting, scissor skills, and funnily enough, skipping. Skipping? Like feet skipping? I mean, I'm not sure that's a skill I use on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. Feet skipping. I know. Maybe we should skip more often. But anyway, she, I guess it's to assess balance or whatever. I don't really know. I just remember the lady bringing September back to me, handing me the results. I already kind of knew scissor skills weren't really our friend, but it turns out the kid couldn't skip to save her life. <laughs> so guess what we went home to do? Uh, play lots of hopscotch? Yes. And it turned out to be a lot of fun. So win-win, stupid test. Neither of us saw it as a failure. It was just something we hadn't done yet. So the point is, it's only by failing and trying again and again that human beings learn how to do things. 
That applies to adults too. Yeah. I mean, we, I know we've been talking about kids here, but I have a couple of New York subway stories I can tell because I'll be honest, I've messed up a couple of times and I sent us in the wrong direction. But to me, that kind of failure, it's not a deal breaker. I mean, you just hop off the next station, head back, you learn something in the process. And I did not let the failure of getting on a couple of wrong trains keep me from using the subway or convince me that I'd never figure out the New York subway system. But lots of times, I mean, somewhere along the way as we grow up, that's not our first reaction. And instead of seeing failure as part and parcel of life, it becomes something scary, something that we really need to avoid. Right. So I've got a question. I've kind of got my own ideas on how I think the answer is, but I'm curious to what you think. When do you think that changeover begins to happen? When, why, how, how does failure become such a negative in our life? Um, I guess when I look for root causes, I kind of go with the whole grade school obsession with high sticks testing in kindergarten and all this nonsense that's been going on, particularly in these early education years. I mean, I remember being a little kid living in my happy haze in kindergarten. And one day I realized, holy crap, I'm being graded. I mean, I don't know that I ever had the concept of failure as such before that. Sure, I knew I'd made mistakes. You know, I spilled the glass of milk or, you know, whatever. But the concept of failure as a thing, I think that one came to me from school. And from that point on, school was always as much about avoiding the failure as it was about being enchanted to learn anything new. And don't even get me started on all the high stakes testing because, I mean, I despise standardized testing like MAP tests or SAT, ACT, PSATs, all of that stuff, because they test for people who do really well taking tests. And beyond that, I don't really think they're all that good for much other than they do a great job of getting kids all yanked up. Uh, I mean, I could never sleep the night before if I knew there was going to be some sort of big standardized test the next day. And we'd always get shooed off to the cafeteria and have to sit there and fill in little circles all day long. You know, your hands cramping up and your eyes are crossed by the end of the day. And make sure you had the number two pencil. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Standardized tests, they, they really, they only test who tests well. But I do have to confess something I kind of like that soothing monotony of filling in circles. <laughs> I mean, we took tests in our regular classroom and I was allowed to read when I was finished. So that was kind of cool. The thing that annoyed me the most was never knowing my final grade. I was very grades oriented and that's probably because I'd been conditioned to avoid failure at that point. So for me, it was very frustrating to not know if I'd actually achieved that goal. Oh, and if there was one thing I was certain of or committed to when we started homeschooling, it was this idea, no standardized tests, no grades, just focus on improving and learning and getting better. That's it. I mean, even today, when Wyatt's in high school, I see putting grades on things as kind of a necessary evil for transcript purposes, but it's not anything that's particularly useful. So, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I answered. I'm curious about what you think. Um, why or how do you think failure becomes such a negative? And does it have anything to do with limiting our definition of what succeeding actually is? I think that failure becomes a negative when we start realizing how others react to it or react to our trying to do something. Especially as kids, that first time we sense disappointment from a parent or a teacher or someone, it's like, oh, 
wow, I thought this was just about me, but apparently others are kind of invested in my success or lack of it. I think we can accept some failure in our lives as long as no one else knows about it. It's when we see how others react to our setbacks, and that's, to me, what hammers in that feeling of failure. We don't want to be seen as careless or inadequate. We want to present our best self all the time or as much of the time as we can. So yeah, in that respect, I think it does limit our definition of success because success becomes less than about our achievements, whatever they may be and however we've defined them. And it becomes more about not disappointing anyone. So now that we've waxed philosophical here, let's get to some specifics. When you talk about failing in order to succeed, give me your best concrete example. Okay, so earlier in the show, I was talking about being a writer. Husband's a writer. We have lots of friends who are creative types, uh, writers, artists, musicians, stuff like that. And anyone who is a writer will tell you that if you want to succeed at being a writer or any kind of artist... You're going to need to fail a lot. Is this where you go all Mythbusters on me? (laughs) No, I could because the idea of failing to succeed is absolutely part of Mythbusters Busters. But the other part comes uh, from Dean Wesley Smith. Now, Dean is an incredibly prolific writer, New York Times bestselling, blah, blah, all all the credentials. If you want credentials, Dean's got them. My husband got to know him taking some writing classes and he's seen how Dean has always got some insanely difficult challenge that he sets for himself at the beginning of the year. So this year's challenge for Dean is to write a short story every week and write a novel every month. So 52 short stories and 12 novels. That's more than some authors write in a whole lifetime. I mean, Charles Dickens only wrote 15 novels and 30 some short stories and novellas. And that was over the course of a 30 year career. Exactly. But here's the thing. Sometimes with his challenges, Dean does succeed. And for the record, his work is good. It's not like he's just slopping junk together. Okay. On the other hand, sometimes life gets in the way and he doesn't meet his goals. But here's the thing. Even if he fails to make the challenge, he's failing in order to succeed. Okay. So he doesn't write a short story every week and he only manages a short story every other week. Still 26 short stories that's success. Maybe he doesn't write a novel every month and it takes him two months for each novel. That's still six novels. Success. So sure, he's failing to meet the original lofty goal, but he's succeeding in the long run. And if he makes the goal, so much the better. Right. Because there's all these stories about writers who are rejected again and again. I mean, J.K. Rowling had 12 publishers reject Harry Potter. Gone with a Win rejected 38 times before it was accepted for publication. I mean, the same with Madeline Langle's classic A Wrinkle in Time. That one was rejected more than 25 times. I mean, rejection's part of it. None of those authors would have succeeded if they weren't willing to fail. So send it out, get it rejected over and over. How have you seen this principle in play with September? Have you done different things with homeschooling? I honestly can't remember anything specific, but I do remember a kind of a funny thing she said one time. She'd been out in the backyard doing something. I mean, she always had these kind of random projects going on with found objects. She was happily creating in her own little world. So I don't remember what she was doing that particular day, but I do remember her coming in for supper and saying, well, If that doesn't work out, at least I had fun. And I think that was just sort of the 
sort of the idea that she took with her or that we took with her through homeschooling is like, we're going to try it. And if it didn't work out, hey, at least we had fun and maybe we learned something. I mean, if that's not the best attitude for failing in order to succeed, I don't know what is. <laughs> what about Wyatt? Oh, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. He's going to graduate. We've experienced lots of setbacks and failures and catastrophes, you know, <laughs> over the years. Basically, the family philosophy is if you never fail at doing anything, then you're really not trying that hard because failure is part of success. But the one that comes to mind that's really easily explainable in a short half hour podcast is the Lego cuckoo clock. Several years ago, Wyatt was really into clock repair. I mean, he still loves to fix clocks and watches and cuckoo clocks are his favorite. So he would buy cuckoo clocks that didn't work and he would see if he could fix them. Well, talk about trial and error and failure abounds. That's kind of a hard thing to do sometimes. Um, so at the same time, he was kind of at the height of his fixation with Legos and he decided he was going to test his skills and build a cuckoo clock out of Legos. Just figure it out on his own. Not following Kit, nothing like that? Nope, just figure it out on his own and see how it goes. So there are some parts of the project that are super easy. I mean, you know, like building the box that is the clock or designing the face and the hands of the clock. Pretty simple. Then there were other parts that were really hard and it was just one problem to be solved after another, you know, like figuring out how to make the internal gears work and get them to fit inside the cuckoo clock box. Um, Okay, great. You figured that out. Now, what are you going to use for weights? You finally figure out the weights and what should you use as a chain? And then how much weight do you have to put to be the proper amount to pull on the gears? I mean, he would just get one thing figured out and it would be the next roadblock or hurdle. Well, so did he get frustrated during that process? I mean, how did he deal with that? Well, because we've really never emphasized grades, just mastery, the house here has been one of, eh, just try it again. You'll do better next time. It's That's really how we... We see a lot of the world. So I really clearly saw how he was getting comfortable with failure being integral to his success. Maybe I've got to give it up for his career ice skating on that one. I mean, when I tied his skates for the very first time, I told him he'd have lots of fun learning to skate. I told him he'd probably fall down lots and lots, and that was okay because he'd get up again. And if nothing else, the bedrock lesson ice skating teaches is for kids to get back up after they fall down. So... Now we've talked about non-academic kind of things. What about academic failure? Shudder, cringe. Know, uh, where does that, that <laughs> <laughs> where does that fit in? And more importantly, what does that even mean? Whew. I mean, academic failure, it's a tough one because the grading system, it's pretty subjective when you think about it. It's not too often that you can get a teacher to think outside the box when it comes to a grading rubric. I mean, either you did what they wanted in the way that they wanted or you didn't. And your grade is going to reflect that. I mean, I remember in college trying to figure out how each teacher wanted me to write. So I would give them something that they liked. So, I mean, I think in public and private school, it really, it is hard, the whole idea of academic failure. But in homeschool, obviously, there's a lot more flexibility. I don't have to give September a test to assess her knowledge. We can talk. We, she can draw, she can create a PowerPoint, she could write a poem, she could, I mean, there are so many ways to see that she's absorbed what she needs to, and she's absorbed what is actually useful to her. And I can see her apply that knowledge to her life in ways that are tangible and visible, but would not necessarily be actually easily gradable. 
And that's what we're going for anyway. The idea that what they learned actually means something to them. Right. I mean, I am happy to see that there's definitely more emphasis these days on different ways of learning. And I know we've talked about the theory of multiple intelligence here on the podcast before. And that idea, when you accept that, and I think so many homeschooling families do, it just leads to more ways to express and share knowledge. It's not always just a test or just an essay to prove you know something. I mean, we as homeschoolers, we really enjoy the hands-on experiments. And it's like, how can you take what you learned and show me something, build something, do something with that? And I think more and more teachers are allowing visual presentations, oral discussions. We're just really looking for ways to help all the students show what they know. This emphasis on defining a successful outcome based on the individual student is refreshing. I mean, again, it's something that we homeschoolers have known forever. There's no need for a kid to fail a math test over and over and over and feel stupid when it's just so obvious that a different approach to assessing knowledge is what is needed for that student. I mean, what about you? You used to teach teach at the college level. What do you think about academic failure? Oh, I think many things about academic failure, but (laughs) the main thing I see is kids who don't really enjoy the academic lifestyle being forced into some model because we have such a limited definition of succeeding. The title of the show is Failing to Succeed. And just like there's a long list of famous authors there who were rejected, there's another equally long list of people who have dropped out of college. Yes, they have failed to graduate and they have gone on to huge success. I mean, yeah, there's all the usual suspects that we know, you know, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, but there are also a lot of other famous people who skipped out on a four-year degree. I mean, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Harry S. Truman, none of them had a formal college degree. Lincoln is kind of famous for having only about a year of formal schooling. Exactly. And I mean, for crying out loud, Steven Spielberg didn't get his bachelor's degree until 2002 when he went back to school at Cal State Long Beach. I mean, come on. Um, But there's so many people like that. I mean, Rachel Ray, Quincy Jones, Frank Lloyd Wright, James Dean and Paul Newman. Um, Buckminster Fuller, he developed the geodesic dome. He got kicked out of Harvard for skipping his midterms. Then he got back in. He got kicked out a second time. I mean, not a college graduate. I think we have a very rigid ideal of what academic success looks like in our world. And as a result, you know, kids who are the square pegs trying to fit in the round holes of an educational system are often labeled failures. But what if it's the educational system that's failing to succeed and not the kids? I think that is one of the real benefits of homeschooling. What can you do to make sure your kids get the kind of education that is best able to help them become the best version of themselves? So that's where this one-on-one really learning what makes your kid tick and how they absorb knowledge. And that's, it's, it's so crucial. And it's one of the best things about homeschooling because we can easily create a custom education. We can create a curriculum that meets their needs, that helps them grow confident in their ability to fail and then succeed. We can give them an education that shows them that failure isn't the end, it's just the beginning. And the confidence they gain in living this kind of radical lifestyle, it's really gonna help them go on to succeed in any arena because they already know it doesn't matter if I don't get it right the first time, I'll learn something and then I'll, I'll do it next time. Failure will always, always, always be a part of life. But if you've always looked at it as a stepping stone to the next thing, 
then you're more likely to believe that success is just down the path. Keep going. And we've gone up to the half hour mark. So I think we're kind of done here. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for tuning in today for this maiden voyage into 2022. We hope we have not failed in our hopes to encourage you toward homeschool success. Stop by our onlyschoolers.com website. Find us on social media. Let us know how an initial failure led to eventual positive outcomes in your life or in your homeschooling journey. After a bit of a hiatus, we are definitely ready to hear from all of you listeners out there. Yes. Please send us something that you'd like for us to discuss every couple weeks. And we're just going to reach into that homeschool grab bag and see what we pull out. We're here for you, and we are putting our years of homeschooling experience to work for you and your kids. Remember to stop by and visit us on Facebook, Instagram, stop by Etsy to pick up a poetry tea time. Search for the Only Schoolers handle everywhere. And if you'd like to reach out more privately, please email us at onlyschoolers at gmail.com. We do hope you enjoyed this podcast. I mean, we have a lot of fun putting it together. So if you do, please consider supporting us financially. There are monthly expenses associated with keeping the podcast and all the back episodes up and running. So thanks so much for listening today. We are glad you are here to start this new year with us as you navigate this incredible homeschooling adventure. Until next time, happy homeschooling. Thank <laughs> you.